Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, you health renaissance people. Yes, today it's flu shot season. When it comes around September, uh, this is when the big push is going. Now, if you're walking through Walgreens or any place that has an intercom, you're going to be hearing, get your flu shot, get your flu shot, get your flu shot. Well, this flu shot frenzy is amazing, Um, but it's also crazy. I mean, if you look at this, 40% of all vaccines given are for the flu. 40% of all vaccines given. Now, this is, the, in part, the 72 doses of 17 different vaccines that are given to our children by the time they're 18 years old. Now, they're starting to give flu shots to our children. Now, even though data says that there's 0% effective over five, um, under 5 and we're seeing a, a higher disease rates in our children, that doesn't stop it. So so where's this dichotomy? Because I want you to, I want to clear up a lot of this stuff when, it cause, cause, um, when we're talking about the flu shot. 40% of all flu vaccines uh, or vaccines are given for the flu. However, 60% of all vaccine injuries are reported to the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System or for the flu vaccine. Now, I was watching this uh, discussion when preparing for this, um, and the head of an infectious disease pediatric children's hospital, who's also a developer of a vaccine, who owns patents on vaccines, he goes in there and says, talking about the flu shot, and this is nearly a verbatim quote, quote, uh, the flu shot has just a few bits of a killed virus. It can't do anything to harm you. It's just injected in there and it can protect you. And then I look at this guy who's ripping apart his statements uh, and the guy says, look, you know, it can, it, there's a number of different adjuvants in there and just getting foreign animal protein injected into your body can cause a host of autoimmune conditions. And then I look at the vaccine adverse event reporting system, 60% of all vaccine injuries reported to the system, and the system has paid out billions of dollars in vaccine damage. That's right, billions of dollars in vaccine damage. And why is this vaccine adverse event reporting system paying out for vaccine damage? Well, because in 1986, they passed um, uh, an immunity law for the vaccine companies. Now, they didn't do this out of the kindness of their heart. The vaccine companies, their product was so dangerous and was causing so many lawsuits that they threatened to get out of the business. Now, this is a challenge because if the vaccine companies stop manufacturing this, then the profit margin goes down dramatically. And since the pharmaceutical industry is doing a lot to fund the media, they're doing a lot to fund the government. I mean, these are really sharp people. Uh, the, the government had to come in and protect them. So it was a brilliant business move in the 80s. But this was back when we had 23 vaccines. Uh, now, since the immunity law passed, where you cannot be uh, sue the company for their product. Okay, let me make this clear. You cannot sue the vaccine manufacturers or the people that give you these shots um, because they have this immunity or liability protection. Uh, 
and that's been since 1986. Now, what are the results of this? Well, the vaccines went from a recommended 23 doses to 33, to 48, to 54, to 68. Now it's 72 doses, 17 different vaccines by the time uh, the child is 18. Now, we are not seeing healthier kids. There were not a number of parents clamoring to the scientific community saying, look, our kids are sick, we need a vaccine for chickenpox. There wasn't any of this frenzy. But in order to get people to purchase something without researching it, you have to create that fear and panic. And that's that's what we're going to break up now on this talk. We're going to break up the fear and the panic. Now, here's an article I got, um, and it's called Clinical Intervention in Aging. And this is off the nationalinstitutehealth.gov site. And they go in and review, and this is the title of the article, Pneumonia Immunization in Older Adults, a Review of Vaccine Effectiveness and Strategies. So this is a very, very good article. It was published back in 2012, but it reviews it. And you're going to see when I read portions of this article, and I'm going to decipher it because you've heard this in your advertising. You've heard this um, from... If you utilize medical care for health, which I don't recommend, but if you do have a medical doctor who's advising you on your health, they will be absolutely recommending this unless they've actually read the entire article. So I'm going to read the first two sentences off of this article. Ready? Quote, In contrast, observational studies have consistently reported reductions in all-cause mortality for vaccinated seniors during influenza season. Um, A series of cohort studies undertaken between 1980 and 2010 showed a significant reduction in hospital admission and all-cause mortality after seasonal influenza vaccine for um, ages 65 years and older. End of quote. So all-cause mortality, reductions in all-cause mortality for vaccinated seniors. All-cause mortality is everything. See, they they use this term, all-cause mortality, for um, research. And it's it's mainly for research, but now they're using it in advertising. Uh, What I mean by that, now let's say that, that when we look at, say, smoking, cigarette smoking, the common, not, I'm not talking like organic tobacco, you know, ceremonial use, okay? I'm talking the Marlboros, the Salem, the Newport, you know, all of the, the different tobacco companies that have the chemicals and the pesticides and everything else in it. So we're talking about the standard chemical-laden tobacco. What they were doing in the, in the smoking studies is they would find out, sure enough, people had lung um, problems, but they also had heart problems and circulation problems and digestive problems and increased bladder cancers. And some of them had increased auto accidents because you're lighting up or you're smoking or, or something. So they instead of categorizing one, they just put it all in one lump category of all-cause mortality. So assuming that someone, if they had had an unhealthy lifestyle, that this unhealthy effect may be contributing to that. So uh, if you're smoking, you might have increased risk of 
car accidents. You know, you might have an increased risk of other things other than lung disorders. And so this is what the term all-cause mortality was used for in research. However, it means all-cause mortality. This means plane crashes, traffic accidents, um, slips and falls, freezing to death, exposure. And so when they're using this, that a re reduction in all-cause mortality for vaccinated seniors, this means everything. This means slips and falls. This, so if, if you don't understand the term all-cause mortality, you might think, wow, this thing has magical properties. It protects from airplane crashes. It protects from everything. Okay, unless we start to look at it in a little bit deeper, because this is supposed to be utilized for research purposes, not for advertising. But you're going to hear this advertised by your medical doctor and in stores. Hey, big reduction for this. So now, so now we have to look a little bit deeper. The people that get a flu shot, okay, they're obviously thinking about their health generally, and they're doing the best they can to improve their health, and they're following the advice of their respected healthcare physician, and he's recommending this. So obviously they're taking proactive steps to maintain their health. Now, is this a procedure based in science, or is it ridiculously toxic? Well, we can look back at the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, and all the vaccines, of all the vaccines given out, the flu, is, or 40% of them are for the flu. However, 60% of all the damage reported by the vaccines are from the flu, so flu shot. So we know that there's a disproportional damage done by the flu vaccine. But but let's just go on these people that are going out and they're making attempts to get their body healthy. Now, they could have a lot better, more effective um, approaches, such as increasing vitamin D, uh, vitamin C, dealing with their physical, chemical, emotional stress load. But again, we're just talking about flu shots. So let's look at this group of people that are making a proactive approach to, to get that, um, to do something for their health. So it's a different group. It's a different demographic. So this is a group that's actually doing something. They may even be eating healthier. They may be walking every day. So they may have other factors. But in order to make the flu shot data look better, they utilize the term all-cause mortality. And knowing that this shouldn't be used for advertisement, but it is, it's just an indicating aspect that there's something else going on. Now, I'm going to read the third sentence of this article. Indeed, studies have indicated that vaccination can be up to 43% of in preventing influenza-related pneumonia and up to 70% effective in preventing hospitalizations for pneumonia and influenza for older persons living in an institutional setting. Uh, the next sentence, three qu quantitative reviews of cohort studies have concluded that influenza vaccination reduced pneumonia and all winter deaths attributed to influenza in community-dwelling elderly people 65 years and older by 30 to 50 percent and 47 to 68 percent, respectively. Um, that's amazing, okay, end of quote. So, 
So we look at this, and it sounds fantastic. I mean, based on that data, uh, it, it sounds incredible. Now let's look at the second paragraph of this article. Quote, however, questions have arisen about the quality and interpretation of this data. Wow. So now we have the wrench in the works. See, what you're hearing in a lot of, you're, you're hearing the first paragraph. It saves lives, reduction in all-cause mortality, reduce hospitalization rates, reduce all of this stuff. Oh, my God, get the flu shot. You're not told that there's a disproportionate amount of damage done by this shot. And then when you get an infectious disease experts that go online and publicly and say, look, the flu shot isn't going to cause any problem. It just has a little bit of a killed virus in there, and it's going to be just fine. But then, you know, either this guy is ignorant or evil, and ignorant is the best shot. Is he ignorant that the vaccine adverse event reporting system, 60% of all the damage in there, is from this innocuous shot? Wow. So he should actually get better educated, but never mind. He is the head of infectious disease at a major hospital, so he should actually know this stuff. So now let's go in, okay, and read the next line of this article, because this is really interesting. Now, um, uh, this is Simmons says, now he did a, a brilliant study. Uh, for 33 influenza seasons from 1968 to 2001. And he analyzed the influence of vaccine coverage and computed the estimates of influenza-related mortality and all-cause deaths. Now, quote, the study found no correlation between increasing vaccine coverage after 1980 and declining mortality rates of any age group. Um, they also argued that the flu shots could not possibly have prevented more deaths than 5 to 10% that were flu-related, end of quote. So when we talk about all-cause mortality, if you look at how many people die from the flu, it's about 5 to 10% of all the deaths in the senior age group. 5 to 10% of all deaths, that means 90 to 95% of everyone dying is not dying from the flu. This doesn't mean that all seniors are going to die. It doesn't mean that 5, 5 to 10% of anyone over 65 is going to be dead this year. Okay, it means 5 to 10% of all deaths. Okay, so I want you to, to see how they're manipulating the data, but this guy is really sharp. So there's only 5 to 10% maximum of all deaths are related to the flu. Now, i got to read this next part. Quote, assuming that a vaccine effectiveness of 50% against these winter deaths with no deaths attributed to influenza outside these winter months, the maximum percentage of all-cause winter mortality that could be prevented by the influenza vaccine would be about 2 to 5%. End of quote. So now we go from something that can um, up to 70% effectiveness in preventing deaths and hospitalizations to now it's only 2 to 5%. This goes on difference between relative and absolute, but this is a total, complete manipulation of the data. It's, it's, I understand this. Scientists are not, um, 
they're they're not immune to the influences of our society. What I might mean by that, they're not altruistic. They're not doing these studies because they've got they just want to help mankind. These guys have um, families. They've got jobs. They're hired to do this stuff. And the majority of people that hire them have a financial or vested interest in their product. So they want them to do the studies and show a result so that the, the people can do the product. Now, you get independent research like this, which is rare. And when I actually read it and go over the data points, it's amazing because one paragraph of the article will um, contradict the next paragraph. And I, I like articles like this that are presenting both sides. And both sides in comparison make sense because that way you can make a good decision. Okay, now... Um, I'm going to read the next next line out of this. So remember, if a vaccine is 50% effective, and that's huge against all winter deaths, that's only about 2 to 5% of deaths. Now, quote, changes of such a small magnitude in all-cause deaths could be easily missed in ecological and observational studies. A recent Cochrane Systemic Review concluded that the effectiveness against influenza-like illness in aged individuals or the exact benefit of vaccine strategy against laboratory-confirmed influenza cases could not be established due to the likely presence of bias in non-randomized controlled trials. End of quote. So um, a translation of that. The Cochrane database, the Cochrane System Review. Now, this is an independent lab. They have no financial or, mo- or, or any other motivational aspect. They're just doing data and research to save mankind. They said that they could not establish due to the likely presence of bias in non-randomized controlled trials, that there is such a bias there that it's, it's crazy. So now, at the end of all this article, and I encourage you, if you have an hour or so and you just want to sit down and read something, go to the National Institute of Health. But if you type in, um, this is the title of the article, Pneumonia Immunization in Older Adults, Review of Vaccine Effectiveness and Strategies. And it's out of the Clinical Intervention Aging, 2012. I'm going to read the conclusion, and this is hugely important, because the conclusion of this article, now remember, they're not pro or anti-vaccine. They're presenting both aspects of the data very, very clearly. Conclusion. As the population of older adults and the prevalence of underlying medical conditions that complicate the course of pneumonia increases, hospitalizations for pneumonia are likely to continue to rise unless effective intervention strategies are implemented. Uh, Current U.S. strategies to prevent pneumonia among older adults include recommending immunizations um, with annual flu vaccinations and PPV. However, the effectiveness of these vaccines decrease with increasing age and among individuals with comorbid conditions. 
in the absence of randomized controlled trials, in the unlikely event that randomized controlled trials will be conducted with the currently licensed vaccines, additional strategies such as more effective vaccines for older individuals or new vaccines for common pathogens will be necessary. Further research to gain deeper insight into basic mechanisms of immunoessence uh, adaptation of vaccine strategies and develop of new modes of administration and adjuvants will help to achieve optimal protection in old age against the captain of men death, which is pneumonia. Um, end of quote. So even though they go through and they say, look, these vaccines are totally not effective, uh, they're dangerous, they're, um, but they have no other idea other than look for new vaccines. So they're not looking at, I mean, they're talking about insight in the basic mechanisms of the immune system and adaptation. However, they're not looking at the immune system. Now, how, how long has this been going on in, in our culture? How long has a vaccine that proves, just in this one article, they advertise it, they say it's fantastic, prevents all-cause mortality, and then they say, well, it doesn't really work if you're over 60. And uh, when you look at the other data available, it's responsible for more damage than its percentage should equate. Like if there's 40% of all vaccines are flu, you should expect 40% of the damage done by vaccines to be from the flu. However, that's not the case. 60% of all injuries reported are for this flu vaccine. So and I'm looking at this, and I go back in history. And now, the first vaccine was introduced. Well, I mean, it was actually vaccinations. You know, we're talking in China, where they would scape, scrape the pus of a smallpox wound, dry it out, and inhale it. And the idea was to get a little bit of the disease, and that would protect you. And this goes back to ancient Aboriginal cultures where they would take a little piece of the dead body and that, that whatever killed that person you would be protected from or, you know, because they felt that disease came from sin and evil spirits. And then in China, they started to do pus. Then it started to came dried pus and they would inhale it. Then they tried to do a medical procedure in um, Turkey as well, similarly. Well, all of this came down to Edward Jenner, who worked on a superstition that milkmaids who got um, cowpox were protected from smallpox. Now, this was a, you know, a total urban, urban legend. Uh, so what he did is he would scrape um, the pus out of a cowpox, and this is a cow with boils, um, and then he would scratch the arm of, you know, the, the original people were just young boys, rub this pus in there, and then expose them to smallpox, and they would get sick, but they would live. And... <laughs> Now, this was in 1796. Now, this was brilliant for advertising for all the doctors because here, most of the time, doctors were working on people that were sick or hurt. 
This is the first medical procedure that you can do to healthy people to keep them healthy. That's why there's not a lot of medical procedures that are patented that you are recommended for people that are healthy to keep them healthy and protect them. I mean, we could go in there and give people vitamin D3, vitamin C, help their gut flora. There's a lot of interventions that can be done to help the immune system. But this is, those aren't patented. Like, you know, you can't go in and say, look, honey, uh, you want to be healthy? Sleep well, eat well, think well, make your nervous system um, a clear of interference, and you're going to have a stronger immune system. Yeah, medical world can't bill for that. So you have to have a patentable product that is only available. So then they got that exclusivity. And this was in 1796. Now let's look before 1796. Let's look at the absolute worst smallpox epidemic that Britain experienced throughout the entire uh, 1700s, the 18th century. The entire worst smallpox epidemic was in 1793 in London, now 2.5% of the entire population was affected. But only one half of 1% of these people, so we're talking 2.5% of the entire population was affected, but only one half of 1% of these people died. Uh, That's right. That was the worst epidemic of smallpox in Britain in the 1700s. Now, interesting, there is a doctor, eminent British physician, uh, Thomas uh, Sedenham, and he, th- th- this guy, because he developed new therapies. See, when somebody got smallpox, they would develop a fever, and the therapy at the time was to bundle them up more, throw them into febrile seizures, uh, cut them, do a little bit of bleeding, you know, maybe give them Quicksilver if they had uh, good medical care, because mercury or Quicksilver was expensive. So the medical therapies at the time were actually damaging. And, and he noted, if you ever get a chance to read his work, he noted that the wealthier were dying in a higher rate than the poor. And listen to this quote about smallpox. Quote, provided no mischief be done, either by a physician or nurse, smallpox is the most safe and slight of all diseases. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Safe and slight of all diseases, provided no mischief be done. So there is a lot of false data, misinformation, uh, lies, lies, and, and, and there's statistics, lies, and damn lies, okay, and then statistics. When we look at this, you're inundated with information to make your brain and body appear weak. You are not weak. You are a human being that has survived eons. You have thousands of years of of inborn, innate intelligence. You have gotten this survivability from your relatives. If you are of Northern European heritage, your relatives survived the Black Plague. If you survived anywhere on this planet, you've got genetic memory of your parents and your grandparents and your great-grandparents. Allow your body to go through these processes, but, but protect yourself. Protect yourself by getting healthy nutrients. Look at your physical, your chemical, and your emotional stress load. That is the only sure way 
to strengthen your immune system. You're not going to have a toxic, deficient, dangerous lifestyle that you're burning the candle at both ends. You get no supplements. You're not going to have a lifestyle like that and expect to be healthy. And you cannot have a high-stress, toxic, and deficient lifestyle and expect to survive on this planet just by taking drugs or shots. The world doesn't work that way. Remember, every time you get a shot, you trigger an inflammatory response. And if you're going to listen to the head of infectious diseases at the hospital who has a financial um, a tie-in or a financial uh, benefit from you buying vaccines, and he says there's no problem, and he's unaware of the data at the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. So we can't trust the authority, but you can trust yourself, your heart. Understand that you strengthen your immune system by looking at the basics. How do you sleep at night? Do you sleep all the way through or do you get up to pee? Is your diet healthy, organic, plant-based, and seasonal? Do you exercise at least a half hour a day? Okay, how are your thoughts? Do you take charge of your emotional state? Do you do neurolinguistic programming? Do you do something fun? What did you do fun today? Okay, when you get a fever or an immune system response, do you build that fever? Do you drink plenty of water, take lots of vitamin D3, lots of vitamin C, and do you sweat out that fever? Or do you take a chemical such as a Tylenol, which weakens your immune system response? The cure for the common cold is the common cold. Okay, you strengthen the immune system by being proactive. This is Dr. John Bergman. Your voice of reason in this in this land of insanity. Read the articles, and this one was a brilliant one because I I had to share the the contrast in it. But man, what I want you to do is when you walk by the mirror, smile, because you are made in the image and likeness of God. You are more energy than matter, and your body is designed to thrive on this planet. Okay, but you have to utilize what we have here. No foreign intervention. This is Dr. John Bergman. God bless you, and I love you. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.